Welcome to the Fabulous 413. I'm Monty Belmonte. Khalees Smith is vacationing, playing board games in the woods somewhere, like nerds do. Our regular Thursday guest, Congressman Jim McGovern, will join me tomorrow on the show. So if you've got a question for the Congressman, you still have time to get it in. You can email the Fab 413 at NEPM.org. I'm currently on a double-decker convertible Peter Pan bus on Fort Street in front of the Fort and the Student Prince. Why? Because the 10th annual Springfield Jazz and Roots Festival begins right here tonight. Thousands of music enthusiasts, artists, community members will gather for this free downtown Springfield Festival. It continues tomorrow and Saturday, Stern Square and Tower Park, Tower Square Park. Joining me are some of the festival founders, Khalif Neville, who is the son of Charles Neville, the namesake of the stage, the main stage of this festival. We will hopefully be joined soon by Kristen Neville, Khalif's mom, and one of the other co-founders of this festival as well. And we're joined by Springfield native and festival co-founder Evan Plotkin, who is the president of NAI Plotkin, a real estate firm in the city, Springfield native, and who has been instrumental in making this festival happen. The Springfield Jazz and Roots Festival in its 10th year. Uh, let's start with you, Khalif Neville, because I know that a lot of the reason that this festival exists has to do with your family. The Neville name is not uh, an uncommon name to music fans. You and your father and your mother um, were wonderful community members and are still uh, here in Western Massachusetts, but it's a name associated with New Orleans. First of all, for those who aren't familiar with the name Neville, tell us a little bit about the legacy of your dad in New Orleans music. Absolutely. So way back in the game, as my dad would say, um, my great uncle, who was my dad's uncle, uh, his name was George Landry. Uh, Big Chief Jolly was what they called him because he was the big chief of the Mardi Gras Indian tribe, which is a... I'm not going to go into it too deep, but you should look it up. It's cool stuff. It and is cool. Well, let's talk there for a second. Okay. We've got plenty of time. Right, so, uh, the Mardi Gras <laughs> Indians, they're uh, an amazing New Orleans hodgepodge of people who uh, were able to escape slavery as well as indigenous communities who brought them in and they kind of created their own thing. Absolutely. Yeah, it's a really cool tradition and culture. And at that moment, it was really raw. So the musical texture of those uh, Indian songs were very kind of uh, traditional with the, the soundscape and the percussion and the rhythm, and they were very much chants, and they weren't so much songs. And my great-uncle got the, the Neville brothers, who weren't, they were technically Neville brothers, but the, they weren't the, the, the IP brothers didn't capital. exist yeah. yet, really. Um, <laughs> they brought them together, and... And the, the meters, so a pretty solid rhythm section. The greatest funk band of all time, I, I if I do so. say so myself. I, I, all of I my concur. theme music from my old show on 93.9 The River was the meters music, because it just has that real it, funk, deep funk to it. Got it. But <laughs> that, that was the band, and uh, my uncle directed them to, to cut this record that I think is kind of timeless and is so cool for what it did for the the sound of New Orleans cultural music in that it took that, that tradition and kind of uh, modernized it for, for that time. I can't remember exactly when it came out, but it was a while ago. And it really, it took them on the road a good bit. And I think it was kind of a wake-up call for all the brothers who'd been doing their own thing that they were stronger together. So I like to think that that's the inception, more or less, that led to the, the Neville brothers. And it was from, I think, my grandma my dad's mom passed away and some other things where they they kind of got got back together and realized they should do something and it went all right i would say <laughs> yeah, you know? they, they won grammys they they were iconic um and you know there was an exhibit at the springfield museums chronicling a lot of the neville brothers history through the lens of your father and again 
this is a, a New Orleans-based legacy largely, but what brings it to Western Mass? There's so many New Orleans-Western Mass connections that it's really funny. Even the we have a sign on this double-decker Peter Pan bus that was handwritten by Nan Parati. You've seen her signs everywhere. I'm pretty sure she does the signs for the Springfield Jazz and yep. Roots Festival, too. She does the Green River Festival, but she also does the New Orleans Jazz Festival. She's the artistic director there. She spent a great deal of time in Asheville. She was on our show at the Green River Festival. Very That's cool. just one of the many... New Orleans, Western Mass connections, but a, a major one is is your family and your father. What brought your father into the world of the hill towns of Western Mass? Well, two things. The uh, practical motivation was that my mom is from this area, and uh, there was some land that her mom and, and dad had that uh, I think was a wedding gift, honestly, and that was a solid incentive. But also, I think my dad kind of burned out from the the pace of things in New Orleans. And I'm, as I reflect on being born there, but growing up here, I'm actually really grateful that I got to grow up here because I the the peace and quiet kind of gave me the space to to find myself a little more than I think I would have down there. So I love it here. Happy to be a part of the community and. And I know my dad loved it, too. And he passed away a couple of years ago. I was lucky enough to have gotten to know him over the years. He was a guest on my uh, previous show many, many times. And I was lucky enough to go through the Springfield Museums with you, Khalif Neville, to, uh, oh, yeah. to do yeah, a feature that. on that on that wonderful exhibit uh, that, uh, that cherished your father, really, and celebrated him as a part of the community. And another way that your father is remembered and cherished and was instrumental in bringing culture to the community is this festival that we're here celebrating on Fort Street, right in downtown Springfield. We're right across from the New England Public Media building, the new building on Hampton Street. So I'm looking at my New England Public Media logo over Khalif Neville's shoulder from the top of a double-decker convertible Peter Pan bus. Pretty sweet. It is pretty sweet. How often do you get to be on A in a double-decker bus and one that's convertible as well? No, not too often. And it's pretty hot, um, but it is a, a beautiful day to kick off a festival. And it is a free festival, and it's the 10th incarnation of the Springfield Jazz and Roots Festival that you, your father, and Evan Plotkin, who joins us, who we'll talk to in just a second, um, helped to put together. But tell, tell us about the inception of this festival and a little bit about blues to green. See, this is, a, this is the... Uh, That's how you know it's real. we got a sound check going yeah, on there's a sound right check behind us. It's an important part. That speaks to the quality control of the festival. (laughs) Well, how much quality control could you get from the top of a double-decker bus? You've got to take whatever the city's going to throw at you. That's right. The convertible part comes (laughs) with some audio problems. That's part of the fun. But, all right, I'm not the... My mom would be the person to talk about, but she is not here. Well, we'll get her here. In her stead for the moment (laughs) from the... Let me see how I can put it. I would say that my mom worked for a long time wanting to figure out how to address uh, issues of things like social social issues like uh, racism and as well as climate change and climate justice and those things. And she did a number of of projects that weren't, they weren't kind of publicly geared like the festival is. And I think you you probably know this story very well, but uh, I was talking to Evan, but um, you know, something about the the opportunity of doing this format in this location this way, I think, really aligned with a lot of those uh, goals and what she was trying to do and, and had the, you know, infrastructure and, and the city and people like you, Evan, who really helped to, to make it happen on, uh, on some of the practical levels. And, and across the board, I mean, music business is always kind of chaotic, as I have observed my whole <laughs> life, and I, I think... It's a great balance, and the city seems to really love it, and I think the music's always phenomenal, and, you know, at the end of the day, I think my mom, uh, being married to my dad and and having all the experience she did in, uh, you know, with with that sound and, and what the power of that music did for the world and all the fans of the Neville Brothers... At its at its core, it's really just about that experience where music brings people together. You get to put your differences aside for a little while and just enjoy some great stuff. And I know she's very adamant about through the programming still, you know, uh, addressing the the points of what what's what's happening today. And and the Neville Brothers were they were huge at that too. So I I definitely think there's a big connection between the 
messaging and the themes of a lot of those songs and, oh, yeah. and that with with her her goals and her mission so. yeah i mean you can learn through the music of the neville brothers and i did you know about the plight of, of being imprisoned uh i i think maybe i know more about rosa parks from the neville brothers song than i ever learned in school about rosa parks they actually teach that at the school around here as part of a history class they, they as, play that song so. as, <laughs> as they should it's, a, it's an iconic song and charles neville of course part of the neville brothers and was part of this community until he passed and will be memorialized as part of this community in the festival that he helped to found with his son, who I'm speaking with right now, Khalif Neville, and his wife, Kristen, who will join us, I hope, to talk about I'm Blues not, to I'm Green. I'm not doing too bad. You know, <laughs> no, I, you're I doing great. probably keep yeah. it up. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, we're going to talk to Evan at Plotkin, as I mentioned again in just a little bit. But, Khalif, people might want to know about what you've been up to. You yourself oh. are a musician. You've been in several bands. And you're also you're a, you're a filmmaker. Talk about uh, some of the projects that, that you have been working on. I was going to say, I think I succeeded in having the most convoluted brand in history where mm. I jumped from when we first got together on the, the river a long, long time ago. I was doing a hip-hop project mm-hmm. and then did jazz with my dad for a while. And honestly, it was pretty organic I, I from what jazz taught me. And being someone that, frankly, got a little burned out from live music growing up on the road, you know, the yeah. the medium of film scoring really spoke to me, and it was through that that I got into filmmaking. And that's as, as much as I can explain the trajectory, but currently I, I'm doing work nationally as kind of a indie or freelance uh, filmmaker, which is fun, and still doing some scoring stuff uh, where I can, and working on some new creative stuff that people should watch out for so go check me out there's there's only one of me so it should be easy to find around the the ways and whenever any of that's ready to hit the public oh yeah come to the public radio station we'll be happy to to have you on again one of my favorite memories is going after going through that museum uh, at the springfield museum's exhibit about your dad with you i found out who your favorite you're you're on you are part of the most iconic new orleans jazz and funk family of all time but your favorite musician is John Williams, big god dang choking on water. John Williams, baby, <laughs> makes me choke up. I get so emotional about it. Um, yeah. yeah, I mean, and and part of that's my dad because he really, he was a fascinating teacher in that he was kind of enigmatic. Like, there's nothing. A lot of his technical advice I've since kind of done my own version of and realized maybe wasn't the way I do things. But it was all this very enigmatic like he'd, he'd show me the jaws theme and explain how it creates the tension of all this thing and he was huge into all of those spielberg movies and star wars so i think it really com- comes together and i just i mean who else has written what 25 iconic themes that anyone will know when you hum i'm just like to me it's just math i think john williams <laughs> is the the baddest from that basis and i mean when he just retired at like 93 come on now so well he is going to be we have a relationship with tanglewood khalif neville and our tanglewood correspondent is the current conductor of the boston pops keith lockhart my dream is to get keith lockhart to interview john williams on our show but if that happens you're coming with us to that interview please oh man (laughs) i really will get uh, emotional then that sounds Excellent. That is Khalif Neville, who is one of the founding folks behind the Springfield Jazz and Roots Festival that begins tonight, shortly after this show, uh, right here on Fort Street in front of the Student Prince in downtown Springfield, a hop, skip, and a jump away from the New England Public Media Station uh, on Hamden Street. We're going to talk more about this festival. We're going to hear from one of the acts that is kicking the festival off, the Garifuna Collective, coming up towards the end of the show. And we are now joined uh, by Kristen Neville, who can tell us a little bit more in just a minute about Blues to Greens. And we're also going to talk with another of the founders, Evan Plotkin, about how this festival has been uh, slowly but surely over its decade instrumental in transforming quite literally the way uh, downtown Springfield here looks. But now is the part where I take a fake break because this is public radio and there's no commercials. The train sound in the background, not sound effects, it's real. We're on the top of a double-decker convertible bus on Fort Street, and I will say you are listening to The Fabulous 413 on NEPM. The Fabulous 413 is funded by Historic Deerfield, an 18th century New England village and museum where every object has a story. Historic Deerfield exploring the stories of the past. And now, miraculously, having not left, 
We are back uh, on the fabulous 413. Once again, I'm Monty Belmonte, and we're broadcasting live from the kickoff to the Springfield Jazz and Roots Festival in its 10th year. Uh, we mentioned uh, before when we were talking to Khalif Neville that Blues to Green is one of the organizations that has helped to put this festival on for 10 years. And joining us, one of the founders of Blues to Green is Kristen Neville. Kristen, tell us what Blues to Green is. Blues to Green is an arts-based organization focused around music and um, uh, focused on celebrating music of the African diaspora and bringing people together and promoting awareness about social and environmental issues and actions for change. Um, so uh, the organization was launched about uh, a decade ago and and the festival Springfield Jazz and Roots Festival is the first um, program of the organization so we're the organization behind the festival and now you and your your husband Charles and Khalif were living in the hill towns what made you say let's do something in Springfield why is Springfield the place to put this festival um, well you know as probably Khalif was talking about our connection to New Orleans and the musical culture of that city and um, we were living up here we Charles and I moved back to my hometown to raise uh, Khalif and then his he was very appreciative of that by the way you <laughs> might not have heard that on the radio but you should go back to the podcast and listen to it so if you, you did the right thing by him okay <laughs> <laughs> um but what was I saying? You <laughs> Lost my train. Back <laughs> to your hometown with Charles, and then why, and then focusing on Springfield. Why why, yeah. why to bring the festival to um, here rather than make a big Hilltown Jazz and Roots? Yeah, festival. well, uh, you know, seeing parallels between Springfield and New Orleans, and um, and having gotten involved in work in in Springfield, I, I um, after graduating from this master's program where I was learning to. Uh, manage a nonprofit organization, <laughs> and I was doing research related to trying to shape this, the ideas behind the organization, um, <clears throat> and had connected uh, with a youth arts organization and um, was on their board. And through that, I met Evan Plotkin, and uh, and we kind of got our heads together. And I was, you know envisioning you know doing more around music with this organization and there seemed to be this opportunity here in Springfield and in a strong interest to to bring a, a festival back to downtown and to use music as a vehicle for positive change in a number of ways so um, yeah so it is a kind of multifaceted event um, and we try to weave along with the performances weave in educational programming and um, touching upon social justice and climate justice and uh, cultural history and um, so I just came from the music school where the Garufana Collective are doing a workshop with a whole bunch of young folks from Springfield and <laughs> And if we can peel them away from that, which we hope we can, you'll hear them uh, at the end of this show, this hour. And uh, they have an incredible story. They have an incredible a African diaspora story, a, a preservation of culture story. And uh, they will be kicking off the festival right here on 4th Street shortly after the show. Although there is um, uh, Lexi Weege will be performing a as well, uh, starting at 4 o'clock, just a block away. We keep mentioning Evan Plotkin, so let's finally bring him into the <laughs> mm -hmm. conversation. Evan, you are Springfield born and bred, and you are uh, one of the founders of this festival right here in Springfield, so close to Union Station, you can hear the trains, uh, which is one of the parts that I think is great about working right there on uh, Hamnett Street, and I can hear the trains even uh, at my desk. But tell me about what, what made you want to get involved in the founding of this festival, the Springfield Jazz and Roots Festival. Free starts tonight, goes through uh, the weekend sure. uh, here in downtown Springfield. Well, I'd have to take you back a few years. Um, I was involved with John Osborne with the Hoop City Jazz um, that he founded and ran very successfully. Um, and 
I was just I was a volunteer with John in in that um, for about three or four years, and one of the things that I I got done with that organization was the convincing the mayor to allow the festival or the, or the you know the Hoop City um, to perform in in the heart of the city in downtown. So we actually set up the stage in those days and the steps of City Hall, and um, that was. A sort of a game changer for me because it just sort of made me realize, first of all, that the downtown never looked better. Um, there was a, it was just such an incredible um, blend of of people from different walks of life, um, different cultures, different backgrounds, young, old. You know, there were, and they were all enjoying themselves in in such a positive way. The mayor loves to say that we've never had a problem at any of these these concerts. I think it's partly jazz music um, that really, I think, um, brings people together. But music, I think Kristen and I talk about this a lot, is that music is, is really um, a healing agent. And, um, and, I, and I think that, um, anyway, when I met Kristen, as she was saying, she wanted to do something in Springfield. And um, I had already done Hoop City Jazz, so... And when we met through this other nonprofit that we both were involved with, and and um, so the discussion started about doing another jazz festival here. Now, keep in mind there was a there had been a tornado that ravaged the city a couple of years prior to that. So the the John Osborne Hoop City Jazz era ended um, before the the you know after that tornado because we were planning it in Court Square, and Court Square was devastated by the, um, by the tornado. So we, um, I just basically said, that's it, you know, um, there's no, I'm not going to pursue picking Hoop City Jazz. John Osborne was ready to retire for medical reasons or whatever. He just, just felt like he was done. And, and so, um, but I, I just kind of, I would have never done anything if Kristen hadn't come to me and said, Evan, what do you think about this idea? And I loved it. And I said, let's try it. And I knew it was risky. And I knew that, you know, there's a lot of money that you have to raise to do these things. You know, this is all, it's a free festival. Everything comes from donations, sponsors, and so forth. So um, we knew it was a, a challenge. And, and just to get all the, to name the organization, what it is, um, Springfield Jazz and Roots Festival, to really plan out all of the logistics, all of the, the, the different elements that go into putting on a festival. They all had to be kind of thought through, the artists, selecting artists to play. And um, Kristen had high standards for that, and so did I. So we, we booked people like Phil Woods the, and, and, and um Taj Mahal and Maceo Parker and others who have been uh, headliners in, in this. This is, this is um, a really wonderful way also to bring young upcoming artists to the stage and to have them perform next to or behind um, some of these more famous, um, well-known artists. So that was a real important factor to me. I loved that whole idea of uh, having this be something that would... Um, um, allow younger artists to get their name out there and to be successful. And, and a lot of my thinking has always been about how do we make artists more economically viable? How do we help them, whether they be visual artists or musicians, whatever? You know, like I think supporting artists are, is a very important thing. Um, many of them can't support themselves in, until they get this break somehow. So it's kind of like helping them move in that direction. And this could be the break that they get. There's all sorts of great artists playing. We'll get a little bit into the schedule of who will be here um, coming up in just a little bit, but we're speaking with Evan Plotkin, as well as Kristen and Khalif Neville, who are some of the founders of the Springfield Jazz and Roots Festival. In its 10th year, it begins tonight right here uh, on Ford Street, right in front of the Student Prince. They're setting up the stages. The Garifuna Collective is going to be here performing not only on the stage for you for free, but fingers crossed for you on this double-decker convertible Peter Pan bus right out in front of the student prints. Uh, and, of course, Peter Pan, another iconic uh, IP, as, uh, as Khalif would have called, <laughs> may call it, uh, intellectual property that emanates from Springfield. And Evan um, was named the Springfield Citizen of the Year 
uh, by the Springfield Chamber of Commerce last year, um, apart from talking about just some of the acts and other events that you can participate in, the film screening, I should mention that the director of the film about New Orleans jazz funerals will be joining me on the show tomorrow. We'll talk a little bit about Springfield's transitions over your lifetime, Evan, and uh, where you think it's gone, where it's been, and where it's headed, and how maybe this festival that you have helped to create um, is, is steering it in, in a new direction. You're listening to the fabulous 413. I'm Monty Belmont. Lee Smith is away, and as I mentioned, broadcasting on Fort Street live from a double-decker bus. The fabulous 413 is funded by the Norfolk Chamber Music Festival, presenting a summer of chamber music Friday and Saturday evenings, July through August, in the Music Shed in Norfolk, Connecticut, norfolkmusic.org. The Springfield Jazz and Roots Festival in its 10th incarnation is here with us tonight. It begins. It goes through Friday and Saturday. Let's take a quick look at some. Well, let's, let's talk to you, Kristen and Evan, maybe, about some of the acts that you're really excited to see. I know one of the acts I'm excited to see again was just at a theater near and dear to my heart in Franklin County at the Shea. Uh, Shamika Copeland is going to be performing at this festival. To, uh, Saturday night? Friday night. Friday night is Shamika yeah. Copeland. Who else are you excited to see, Kristen? Uh, well, tonight I'm very excited about the Groove and the Collective. That's going to be fun. Tell um, us about the, the educational thing that you just came from that they were a part of. Um, well, the music school is having a, a summer music program these last two weeks, and they've actually been um, preparing music for the parade, the Second Line Parade we're going to have on Saturday starting at 1230 from the steps of City Hall. So they've been working hard. Um, getting if, that music together. And if you don't know what a second line parade is, you're going to learn all <laughs> about it tomorrow on the show when we talk to the filmmaker behind the documentary about those jazz funerals and second line parades. Right. And <clears throat> I reached out to a few other um, community centers. And so I know um, the South End Community Center brought maybe 20 um, kids over and the MLK Family Services brought 15 or so down. So the, the space is filled and the band is over there talking about um you know their music and and sharing some different rhythms and getting the kids who many of them have some like bucket drums in their laps and they're excitedly trying to replicate what the musicians are playing and and they're demonstrating the different instruments like one man has this um percussive set made with uh turtle shells yeah I've yeah. seen pictures of this collective, and you <laughs> can see that they're using turtle shells as percussion. Hopefully, I'm not sure what they're going to be bringing onto this bus here later, but <laughs> I've fingers crossed that that might be part of it. Yeah. <laughs> Who else are you excited to see? Kristen Neville, who's part uh, of the foundation of the Springfield <coughs> Jazz and Roots <coughs> Festival. Free this weekend right here in downtown Springfield. Yeah. Um, uh, Jane Bonnet and McKay So they're coming from the Toronto area, um, but most of the women... Well, Jane Bennett is a, a saxophonist from Canada, and she's pulled together this group of mostly young women from Cuba. Um, and I saw them a couple months ago in Connecticut at the Side Door Cafe, and they're super talented musicians. And uh, so that mix of modern jazz and Afro-Cuban sounds is very dynamic, and so I'm looking forward to that. Um, and uh, the Brown Rice Family Band is a very fun, uplifting kind of international or multicultural group that merges all different kinds of sounds, reggae, like a, a world, world roots music band. And they have a very positive social message. And, and are they are leading the Second Line Parade? They're part of it, too. Yeah. yeah, that's great. Yeah, you can march and be part of the parade on Saturday. Yeah. All, all of this is free. Uh, Evan Plotkin, who's another one of the founders of the Springfield Jazz and Roots Festival. Who are you excited about seeing? Well, um, I had a lot of um, work behind the scenes getting the Springfield Symphony Orchestra to back um, Avery Sharp's 400-year um, project, which is a composition that he wrote. Um, it's a magnificent piece of music that um, he's going to be performing with the Springfield Symphony Orchestra and choir. Um, so there'll be roughly 70 people, I think, on the stage. Um, of Symphony Hall? Of Sim Spring no, at the Jazz Festival. Uh -huh, at okay. three, three 
o'clock or 3.30, Avery Sharp will have a sextet uh, of, of, of jazz musicians. Wow. So it's a collaboration of jazz and classical coming together. And um, the reason why this is important is because the Springfield Symphony Orchestra has had, um, a, they went through a, a period of a couple of years where there was some uncertainty right. about the contract for the musicians. Mm -hmm. And things have finally gotten resolved. And part of that whole discussion was how can you bring a new audience to the symphony? And how do we expand that audience? And um, I think they brought me onto the board of the Springfield Symphony because that I perhaps could help them look at ways by which jazz might be that audience that, that could expand their reach and so forth. So um, that's actually what's happening. So we, I was able to put that together with, um, with Avery and, and the Springfield Symphony. And um, we got some funding from the symphony to support the, the, the musicians. So it was, it's really wonderful to to be able to showcase the symphony in a jazz sort of um, um, idiom. And, and, uh, and I look forward to that very much to see how that, that I think it's going to be jaw-dropping. I think so, too. And for, I'm, people listen to jazz on New England Public Media all the time. So Avery Sharp is a name that people um, know. But talk about why you think Avery Sharp is a, a pivotal figure to be bringing into this festival. I know he was part of the kickoff ceremonies. Was that yesterday? Yep. Yes. Yeah. Yep. Well, I mean, he's played at our festival many times um, and, and different um, incarnations with different, um, uh, different groups and different styles of, of music. But uh, I think in this case, he, um, was, had, already, he had written this piece that, that was appropriate for a symphony. So he had the music written out and the charts written out for an orchestra. So it just, I think it's just really, you know, good luck, you know, that Avery, who's a local legend, um, happens to have this piece of music that, um, that would fit well with the, with the symphony. His brother is going to be the conductor. Oh, wow. And um, so I, I think that it's really a, a beautiful tie-in, you know, and um, I've heard the music, but not with the symphony. Um, I've heard the CD um, that uh, Avery did, and um, I love it. I listen to it all the time. So um, I, I'm just happy to, like, I think this festival is about charting new territory all the time. We've expanded it to, four, you know, three days now, from one to three days in, in two years. So um, I, I like the idea of, you know, finding new ground, um, new types of music to play, and... Um, Something for everybody, really. That's Evan Plotkin, who is one of the founders of the Springfield Jazz and Roots Festival. We're here celebrating it on Fort Street in Springfield, where the festival will officially kick off tonight with the Garifuna Collective. Um, I'm on a double-decker bus. It's a double-decker convertible Peter Pan bus that's been blocking off this street for several weeks now so that they can do the outdoor dining at the Student Prince. And when I walked by on the way to NEPM, which is an eye shot over Khalif Neville's shoulder here, I said, I got to do a broadcast live from that double-decker bus. I, you know, I am not averse to any sort of shtick. I will be once again walking from Springfield to Greenfield broadcasting live later in the fall. So this is just a, a taste of what uh, the NEPM Fabulous 413 audience uh, has in store for them. And, Evan, as I mentioned, you uh, were awarded an honor by the Springfield Chamber of Commerce last year's Springfield mm. Citizen of the Year. Um, and you mentioned the other music festival, the Hoop Jazz Festival that you were part of prior to the, uh, the tornado. And, you know, there's a lot of, of, of New Orleans connections here, especially with the Neville family being instrumental in founding this. The, New Orleans has experienced many, many disasters. But, uh, you know, people think of Katrina and the rising out of the ashes of Katrina and rebuilding that city. It's part of what the film that we'll be talking about that's part of the festival um, tomorrow chronicles but as you mentioned Springfield was devastated by a tornado and then this festival kind of grows out of that and gives Springfield an opportunity to rebuild yeah. you've lived here your entire life talk about what Springfield was like first uh, while you were younger and and what it was sure. that just made you want to stay in Springfield yeah, um, so I, I expand um, a, a history of probably 60 years uh, in Springfield so um, if you, if I go back to my early days, I remember my grandfather was a, 
a real estate developer and map maker. He um, was a cartographer of sorts, and he was some. You know, I used to come down and and love to hang out with my my grandfather and walk around and meet all the different shop owners downtown. And there was um, there was a, a guy who made hats. He was Natter the Hatter. There was a there was antique shops. There were. Um, you know, there was a lot more industry and more, um, the stores were all full of, you know, shops and it was very, very uh, lively downtown. And I just remember that that was just a beautiful, um, like, memory for me. And um, so as I got older and, of course, I went off to college, came back in the early 80s, um, there was still vibrancy here, it was different. Um, uh, but this, I noticed some things starting to evolve and change in the downtown. There's been cycles of growth um, in terms of having this be culturally significant part of the, the city or, or the, the state. Um, Springfield has then, you know, dipped in for a variety of reasons, which probably we don't have time for now. But there were um, economic development issues that and, and uh, that put the city in a bad light. Well, you're a real estate developer. We yeah. do have time. So tell okay. me a little bit about, about what, why sure. you think that happened. I mean, because it's easy for sometimes for Springfield to get a reputation as yeah. uh, as one thing or another. But you've right. gone through right. these all, all these ups and downs. Well, so tell well, us what you think happened. Well, I, I, I think that um, largely what happened was that um, many of the, the uh, apartment buildings that were um, market rate housing became um, subsidized. So that it was sort of a trade-off with the with the state to, right. to subsidize a large blocks of properties and, and house people in them. And it, which is, you know, sort of a ghetto mentality. And, um, but I affordable just, housing is, isn't a need. It's right? not affordable. I'm it's talking not. about, I'm talking about, you know, something else that, right. that really, and, and of course it's, a, it's, it's important. I'm not saying that. I'm just saying that there was a disproportionate number of, of, um, of uh, poor people living in the city who needed services. And those people deserve services, and they and need to have services. But I don't think it was done with the right um, thought process and, and, and with the right intentions. It, was, um, it could have been done a lot better. But I think that um, has resulted in a lot of the, the – there, were, there weren't the, – the population of people living downtown were leaving, um, and there was a – you know a, Suddenly, there was uh, empty storefronts everywhere, and um, there was crime, and there was you know the it was just a it went through a bad period in the late early to late nineties, um, and um, and I think there was just a lack of investment in the, in the city. No, nobody wanted to invest here. There weren't enough people living downtown to support restaurants that would be open beyond five o'clock at night mm-hmm. everyone just kind of left the city that wasn't like that in prior times and, and i'm not exactly sure the reason why all of that happened i just know that i watched you know the kind of um consumer behavior the way that most there were you know a lot more restaurants and and establishments were built outside the the city in the suburbs and people from the suburban areas you know didn't want to come back into the city anymore so those businesses had a hard time making it happen, making it work. Well, so, let's, let's fast forward a little bit here. So now, you know, it's 2023. It's the 10th uh, incarnation of the Springfield Jazz and Roots Festival. You, um, last year, in regards to downtown, and, uh, you know, and, and me being pretty new to downtown and certainly new to working here every day, I think it's great. I mean, there's, yeah. there's so many restaurants that are open, and there's so many wonderful things to see. Especially these giant murals that yeah. are on Worthington Street. One of those murals was unveiled at last year's Springfield Jazz and Roots Festival. You want to talk a little bit about the, uh, about sure. the genesis of, of that and how that ties into like, your vision of trying to bring sure. people back to the, a, a kind of idea of a community of Springfield that you remember from your childhood? Evan sure. Plotkin. Yes. Uh, so one of the ways that I saw to try to create a different vision of Springfield and to create a a new conversation about what Springfield is, uh, is, was using public art as a tool for that. And of course, music is, is public art, uh, but the visual arts are very important. And so from day one, uh, our very first jazz festival, we had live art happening while the music was going on. And that started a, um, 
uh, something, you know, that was, say, 10 years ago now. So th that um, process or that um, the act of creating these murals, originally we did them of the jazz musicians, the artists that were playing at the festival. But then we started to expand it. We had Wizard of Oz. We had all kinds of different things. But it, it just, we saw just an incredible um, public reaction to, to these murals. Um, people from all walks of life were taking their photographs with them. It was interactive. It was, um, they were engaging with, an, with a vacant building. Right. Okay? And I just saw that as a phenomenon. And, and people talking. I have video clips of perfect strangers saying, this is just amazing what, you, what you're doing here. And it was just, people were so happy. And so my um, colleague, John Simpson, and I just said, we got to keep doing this. And um, so we have. And um, talk about the recreation of the mural that was unveiled at the festival yeah. last year. We got to, we went for a little walk before the show began, and you, we, yeah. you you walked me through all the murals through Worthington Street, and I read the new murals that you're helping to create there as well. So, yes. So um, we were going. To, we were um, asked by a state senator, Sean Curran, at the time he was a state rep, um, to um, you know, could you do something on this wall and restore these these. Um, um, antique, you know, um, signs, the lettering. And at first, John said, well, you know, John Simpson, artist John Simpson, thought it was too much of a, a restoration project. It's not where he could, you know, that, I mean, it's really um, more of an um, uh, ar ar archaeological kind of thing. Right. You know, you had to do research to find out where the lines were. And this is and the one that people things. might have seen in Worthington that has, like, the iconic advertisements exactly. is really what they are. Exactly. Um, and, and so, um, we, um, um, John, it, it, basically we told the historic commission, we could not restore all of these signs. Uh, it was just too difficult. And they said, okay, but try to get some of them in there. Yeah. You know, they kind of gave us permission. But when John actually got on the ladder to try to do the work, he said, this is another artist's work. And I'll be damned if I'm going to cover it up. Uh huh. So I'm not. I'm not going to cover this up. I'm going to. Um, I'm going to restore it. So he just took a leap of faith at that point, and um, started doing the research. And he's he and Susan are are both brilliant, and a guy named Kali. Um, they they um, they worked for you know several months um, on a f climbing up five floors on sca scaffolding, you know, and try and getting it perfect, you know. And it, it looks great. Based it's on dull photographs that, that were blurry. It's, um, a, it's now a time capsule of, of days yeah, gone by in Springfield. Exactly. And, it, you know, I don't want to call you a time capsule, Evan Plotkin, <laughs> but, you, you know, you have, uh, you are Springfield native, as I mentioned, the, the yep. Chamber of Commerce named you the Citizen of the Year. And it's that kind of uh, visionary thinking, I think, that has brought more attention to downtown than teaming up with Kristen Neville, who also joins us, and Khalif, who's around here on this double-decker bus somewhere for bringing the Springfield Jazz and Roots Festival to downtown now in its 10th year. It's free. It's open to the public. If you are listening uh, in the uh, north of the so-called Tofu Curtain, there's never a, maybe it's the best reason for you to come and check out all that downtown has to offer in Springfield uh, here this weekend. It kicks off tonight with the Garifuna Collective. Now, I'm going to ask my uh, director, Tony Dunn, to find uh, who our spokesperson from the Garifuna Collective uh, is going to be. But they they are on the bus. <laughs> and as I mentioned, we are on a double-decker convertible Peter Pan bus. Peter Pan, the, uh, the iconic uh, bus line emanating from Springfield on Fort Street in front of the student prints where uh, this festival will begin tonight and uh, we're going to hear some music and some history from the Garifuna Collective. I'm Monty Belmonte. This is the Fabulous 413 and I will remind you that the Fabulous 413 is funded by Pekarski Sausage in South Deerfield specializing in farm-made sausages and select smoked meats. More information at pekarskis.com. The Fabulous 413 podcast is funded by Northeast Solar, homegrown in Hatfield, Massachusetts, and providing energy savings for their customers for over 10 years. Learn more at northeast-solar.com. The Springfield Jazz and Roots Festival, a free reason to come downtown to celebrate culture, to celebrate life, to celebrate music, to celebrate Springfield, and to learn about other cultures. 
and it will kick off right here uh, with the Ascari and Jiri, who will be uh, hosting All Things Considered and is our jazz host, was correcting me today, and I want to make sure I'm getting it right. Garifuna? Garifuna. Garifuna, Kari. Hope you're listening back there. We're both going to learn how, from the, the band itself, how to correctly say the name. And I'm going to write it so I don't butcher it again. Garifuna Collective. What's your name? My name is Emilio. Emilio? Yes. Where are you from? From Belize. All right. Now, I know from my little bit of Garifuna close? Garifuna. Garif, like the word if. Yes, Okay, correct. that's a question. Garifuna. Emphasis on the second syllable. But, but not if, if. If. I try really hard because I feel like it's yep. important. You want people's names correct. You want to get these cultural You're doing traditions correct. I'm trying. Uh, tell me, Emilio, um, Garifuna, what is Garifuna? Garifuna um, are the people um, or that originated origin from the island of St. Vincent that are a mixture of Caribs and, Ar- and Africans. So when I say Caribs, I mean the intermarry of Caribs and Arawaks from South America. That's the indigenous tribe that um, I think people that celebrate Columbus Day still should look into the history yes. of the Arawak tribe and maybe rethink um, that in a city yes. like Springfield. I'll throw it under the bus a so, little bit because we're on a bus. Yes. Um, but And it's, it's a diasporic um, collective now is it the, the culture diasporic it exists in a bunch of different places correct uh-huh. and so we have um after the ag- the exile of about 225 years ago our people were exiled on the island of um, roatan in front of honduras mm-hmm. then kept on migrating to the coast of nicaragua honduras guatemala and belize mm-hmm. so what yeah. makes the garifuna culture united because it's easy to lose your cultural identity yeah. when you get spread out yeah. al- across the world. Like there are some misconceptions about the shipwreck in front of St. Vincent. And it is said in history that our people were deported, but how can you be deported from where you live? Right. So yeah, during that time, they, they referred to our people as slaves, but we were never enslaved. That was the purpose of the Africans that were on their way to, to the Americas. Mm-hmm. So... When we talk about those things, we have to be very careful of the words that we choose. Yeah. And that's why we're here traveling to ensure that we give the right message what is, what's, to others. What's something important, apart from that, that, additional that you want people to know about Garifuna culture? We want people to know that we, have, we are the free people who kept on to our rituals, the way we eat, the way we see the world, and the way we communicate with each other from an indigenous perspective. As, and, and also that we have held on to many of the old ways, taking care of the land that takes care of us. Mm, like so many indigenous cultures. That's so many, like, what, of, cor- of course. Can you mention food, and I can't resist. What, what's, <laughs> what, what is something like if you want to eat Garifuna, like this is, you got to try this? You would go to Hudut. Tell me about it. Hudut is um, it's a gravy of coconut milk, and then you have the smashed or mashed uh, green bananas with some ripe in there, uh-huh. and then seafood. Mostly fish, but some people put um, several different types of seafood inside of the gravy. And then you eat it like fufu. So it will be like first cousin of, suf- of fufu. Uh-huh. <laughs> <laughs> Are there any restaurants that we can get this from? Or do we need to make friends with somebody who can cook yes, for you? Yes, there is. Um, I think it's <laughs> called, it, there's, a, there's a place in Chicago. Oh, uh, okay. I think so you got to travel. <laughs> it's Garifuna Flavor. Ah, nice. By, by Rod- Roddy um, Castillo. And when you go to Belize, you go to Hopkins, you'll find Hudut there every day. And in Dangriga, you're going to find it mostly in the weekends, on the culture capital of Belize, where, we, where most of us come from. Right. So Belize is a major hub of the diaspora, but there's also little cities across the United States even that there's yes. like big Garifuna communities, right? New York, like Chicago, there's much in Houston, California, and uh, sh- did I mention Chicago? Well, just about the restaurant, but yeah, yeah that we can assume that <laughs> they got to have it there, right? Of course. Excellent. As well, there's a community in Boston. Nice. By. And now there will be a community here this evening because yeah. you are all going to kick off the Springfield Jazz yeah. and Roots Festival, the 10th. And you're on this bus, first of all, for those who are just tuning in. It's the fabulous <laughs> 413. We are on a double-decker convertible bus. It's hot out, um, but we've been broadcasting and talking about the, the festival, and you'll be kicking it off. And you're going to play on the bus for us. Tell us a little bit about who's with you and the, some of the instruments that you brought. With us, we have Mahabab, who is the 
Turtle Shell Man. He gets all the attention, especially when we go to. to we just we were kids. just talking about it. Did you yes. bring the turtle shells? Are they up here yes. on the bus? Um, I'm not so sure. I'll, I'll go down afterwards and take a look at them. Okay. <laughs> we have um, Kenrick or Sean, who is the the lead singer on the band. We have Denmark Flores, who is the primero or the snare player, the first drum. Nice. And then we have um, Austin, who is the segunda player, the bass drum. Awesome. Well, I don't know how much you can do on the top of a bus. But you, we're going to do it like NPR Tiny Desk style, where there are some instruments up here, and we're going to hear a little bit from the Garifuna, Garifuna Collective, who will yes. be kicking off the Springfield <laughs> Jazz and Roots Festival here on Fort Street for free this evening. <laughs> Take it away. Nate, Nuguya, Mermoyatina, Wawa, Nuguya, Mermoyatina, Balabanadaro, Dura Negabanane, La Nura Gole, Hadara Family, Balabanadaro, Dura Negabanane, La Nura Gole, Hadara Family, Ayano Ayatina, Abana Muleno, Ayano Ayatina, Amanisanigo. Garifuna Collective will kick off the Springfield Jazz and Roots Festival tonight. Thank you so much for coming on the top of this double-decker <laughs> bus on Fort Street. They're going to be playing on the real stage uh, later tonight in full microphone form. But thank you for indulging us and telling us a little bit about your culture. You're very I'll, welcome. I'll be back in the studio tomorrow as well. We'll be doing the Cider Gauntlet in lieu of the Wine Thunderdome with Muse Cider. We'll have U.S. Congressman Jim McGovern. We'll be talking with Jason Berry, who is the filmmaker behind the screening about the New Orleans Jazz funeral in Springfield. I'm Monty Belmonte. Thank you for joining us here in the fabulous 413.